I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. School of Humans. Hi, welcome to Cadaver Gals. This is a podcast where we talk about the ways people have died in order to cope with our own mortality. I'm your host, Nika, along with Gabby and Taylor. Hello. Hello. On today's episode, Gabby has a fascinating story about this man who loved horses a little too much. Mm. And yeah. And Taylor's sharing the tragic but kind of funny tale of a town that was flooded with my favorite alcohol. Today's content warnings include death, obviously, zoophilia, bestiality, anal sex, and drowning. Let's do this. Gabby, I am elated to hear this story about a man who loved horses a little too much. And I'm, I'm especially kind of excited. Taylor loves horses, but I don't think you love them in this way. So <laughs> I'm where I'm just I'm scared of where this is gonna go. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, not- I'm sorry in advance, Taylor, about where the story goes. But technically there was very little harm done to the horses but i think that was also quantified in a legal sense because this happened in 2005 and in 2005 bestiality actually wasn't illegal in washington state where this story takes place so at least no laws were broken yeah so it was really like because apparently in 1976 with like the counterculture and you know sexuality becoming more of a thing out in the open sphere uh in washington state they had repealed a law that made 
oral and anal sex was no longer illegal. But in that same law that they repealed also included bestiality and necrophilia. So, oopsie-daisies. Why would those be, like, the sa- those are just, like, not even the same category? Because back then, people were, like, sex with animals is the same as oral sex, which is just insane. No, it's not. <laughs> well, according to them. <laughs> Don't try and sell me that it is. I was going to say <laughs> anal sex is a slippery slope to uh, bestiality, <laughs> but I guess it's more of a dry slope. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Ew. <laughs> yeah, the butt can't lubricate itself, so... So we are going to Enumclaw, Washington, which is actually known as a horse-loving community. Taylor, that sounds like your dream place. (laughs) Oh, it is. Yeah, no, I think Taylor would really like living here. But on the flip side, though, there is also a bestiality community in this area. I don't want to call it a community. That sounds kind of wrong. But there was, in 2005, when this death took place, there were a group of men and there is one particular farm that they like to go to and receive anal sex from this one specific horse along with other farm animals. Anyway, this is the story of a guy named Kenneth Pinion, and he uh, he had previously been married, and then he had some kids. Then they got divorced, and he had moved to the Enumclaw area because he got a new job as an aerospace engineer. And perhaps the impetus of his sexual deviance into the animals was that he got into a motorcycle accident where he ended up losing a lot of the sensation in the lower part of his body. So he started doing a lot of extreme sexual things. So he started doing like he would get huge dildos. He started doing a lot of like fisting and all this other stuff. But it wasn't big enough. But it was not big enough. So he was in one chat room one time. And then so that's how he kind of got introduced to these zoophiles and people into bestiality with this group of men. Basically, what they would do is they would go to farms, they would like receive anal sex from the horses and then film it. And then sometimes they would have like big orgies afterwards with themselves, which they also filmed. I, for the record, do not like this. No No, one does. No one, I don't think. (laughs) No, 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 the story. (laughs) Taylor, do you think I'm here just like excited to hear about horse sex? Like, I mean, we are doing a podcast about it right now. The story needs to be told. I just (laughs) do not like this. Okay, I continue. I I have a question. What is the difference between zoophilia and bestiality? Well, apparently with zoophilia that... Beyond just like wanting to have sex with animals and having sexual attraction to animals, it is also where you supposedly actually love the animals as well. And there's actually where bestiality is just sort of maybe the more overall umbrella term for sexual uh, receiving or getting sexual pleasure and sexual attraction to animals. I guess that's more of like what zoophilia is. And there was also a documentary about this, which was like... No, talking about these people who just say they genuinely like love romantic love animals and it's not just about the that having sex kenneth though i mean that was part of the some <laughs> i guess it's like people in the zoophilic community would just were kind of like well we don't act we're not actually sure if he loves animals like after the fact of all of this happening you know maybe he just wanted to fuck animals and it was about more of a penis fetish as opposed to having like an animal fetish or something or i guess an animal love situation Um, And I'm not, you know, obviously not condoning if you actually genuinely romantically love an animal, that means it's all okay. But I mean, there was a documentary called Zoo, which explored these deeper ideas of attraction and romance and animals. Like the zoophilia community was like 
you know, it would be fine if he actually loved the horse, but he doesn't actually love the horse. He's just using the horse. Exactly. And I mean, that's what people were saying was like, it was all about for him. It was about the a penis fascination and like the biggest sex organ you can find. And horses, (laughs) back to horses, uh, when they are erect, their penises can can get up to 40 inches long. I mean, part of that is internal, but they get they got big old dicks. Yeah, but it'll like touch the ground. Oh God! Well, Taylor, being a horse girl, <laughs> do you know? Do you have any insight into like? Because I mean, it's like I the thing that the reason that Kenneth is kind of known as well was that there was this video called Two Men One Horse," and because they would always oh, like record no. what happened. Or, I mean, they would record a lot of their uh, bestiality encounters. So I tried to find this video because. Two Men, One Horses was like one of the first internet reaction videos where people would watch it and then film their reaction. And so that became a really uh, popular internet trend. But I I did try to find it and I don't think I found it, but I did find another one. And so pro tip, don't Google bestiality if you don't want to be assaulted with horrific images because I was just trying to look up the definition of bestiality and kind of look at it that way. But instead, just all the bestiality porn websites come up. Yeah, I am horrified for you. <laughs> but I did. I mean, this was my own. But you I did, did it. it. You I did mean, so I'm, I'm guilty in this, too. But it's like, uh, I mean, it was really it was fucking intense to see this of just because basically what happens is like the guys, I think they put like some pheromones on their butts or something. And then you have to get like the horse mounts you. But then you have to have somebody else like guide well, the penis wiener into you, and it's just like it's a big old, it is a big penis, and your rectum does not seem that big, so it's just like that. Well, interesting. Do you do you guys care at all about how horses mate? I want to know everything. Okay, yeah. So, in a lot of horse breeds, most of them actually, you can do artificial insemination, which is super. You know, get in, get out. You're it's easy peasy. But for thoroughbreds, you don't want any fraud, right? So you have to physically have the horse there and there have to be like X amount of witnesses to make sure that that breeding is pure. This sounds like Harry Potter or something. <laughs> you can't have any mud blood horses. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I mean, no. they, Or like the racism in our country. Too. You have to maintain that bloodline, right? So it's really intense. Fun fact, I wanted to be a large animal vet. So I like went to school for, I was in animal husbandry and I was a double major in equine science. And I also really liked biology and like genetics. And so I thought, okay, like chemistry was really hard, but maybe I could do something with, there's actual thing called being a horse broker where you essentially like are buying and trading horses and their sperm. Anyway, Mm. so- because you're paying so much, like up to millions, I mean, you could pay up to a million dollars for for sperm for for the thorough. We're talking specifically thoroughbreds here because they're there's the the most money is with thoroughbreds, right? Because of horse racing. So anyway, so you have to bring the horse in, but you have to almost guarantee you want to guarantee it because you're paying a lot of money. So what you have to do is you have male horses, so stallions, they are always ready to go, pretty much, but the ladies are not always ready to go. So. You have two stallions, the one that is there to mate, and then the other one is there to check the mare to see if she's ready. And if she's not ready, she will just kick him and be like, no, bitch, not today. And she gets pissed. She will fight. I so feel that. I love that. She fights hard. But then if she is ready, she just like, 
she stops and she is just like, all right, I'm ready for it. Come at me. So they take the teaser stallion and once they determine whether she's ready or not, then they can take in the real donor. But what if she's not horny for the real donor? It doesn't matter. All she wants to do is get pregnant, right? And a lot of people have like done a lot of math and a lot of science to figure out the, the best man for her, which I think is very interesting. Wow. Maybe that's how we should just do dating apps now is like how they determine horse compatibility as well. Though actually that sounds really bad. I feel like thoroughbreds apply to humans would make us an even more like racist society. So actually, no, I take that back. <laughs> no, leave leave that to the horses. Yeah, leave it to the horses. It's very important to spend millions figuring out how to best breed a horse for horse racing because horse racing is very important. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, can we continue hearing yes, about the yes. horse fucker? Yeah. So the other, beyond Kenneth, the other character in the story, his name was James Tate, and he was a truck driver who was also part of this bestiality sort of setup that Kenneth had met in this chat room. And basically, it seemed that James Tate, he lived in a trailer off the side of this one property. And I believe he usually, they he had his own horse that they would sometimes engage in bestiality with but what they would often do instead it was he was on this property adjoining this farm where there was a notorious horse there that people in the area who were involved with bestiality would call big dick so it was this one specific stallion that people would often go onto this and there's also this whole farm was just known as the place to go to fuck animals that's just not okay yeah, and it so this place was it was unincorporated Kings County, Washington, five miles north of Enumclaw. So basically, what happened? So the two guys one horse video was recorded in the months prior to Kenneth actually dying, but the night that he actually died was July second, two thousand five. And what happened is they realized that James's horse wasn't really feeling it that night, so then they snuck onto the farm. I just feel like there's so many things that could go wrong, like. Why would you try? Absolutely. So many things Also, could go I'm wrong. really frustrated at like the nicknames they were giving. Like horses called Big Dick. Can you can you think of a better nickname? So basically they go to the farm, but then Big Dick the horse, as it was penetrating Kenneth, it went in too far and ended up perforating Kenneth's colon. Oh. Thing is that Kenneth at first he didn't want to be taken to the hospital because obviously he had his aerospace engineering job. He didn't want to be fired, so he didn't want to be, you know, a known participant in bestiality. But then it got worse. He was, you know, passing out. And so James ended up taking Kenneth to the hospital, anonymously dropped him off, and then by the time Kenneth was in the ER, he had died. He basically died from having an inflamed colon. And sort of the fever and the shock and everything that results from that because his well, colon that'll was do severed. It. That will, you're right. That will do it, I would say. 40 inches is just like a very big dick. Also, the thickness of it, too. I know our They're colon like, is a, like flexible, but still. So the oh. aftermath of what happened is that the police were able to identify James Tate through video footage of him dropping off basically Kenneth dead at the hospital and he was only charged with trespassing because as I said (laughs) at the time there was no bestiality laws basically but the thing is the police also found 
hundreds of hours of footage of people like having sex with the animals on this farm, like hundreds of hours of footage that was seized. And yet they were unable to prosecute any animal cruelty because there just wasn't any law. The people, yeah, the people that had all of these animals, I just, that is just horrific. It's illegal now, right? Yeah. Basically, after this happened, that caused legislators to be like, oh, fuck, we got a problem. So they passed legislation outlawing bestiality, making it a Class C felony. So you can spend up to five years in prison now for bestiality, Mm -hmm. if not more. And it was unanimously passed. There was no resistance. Okay, yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, like, being on, what, the Senate floor? I don't even know. But being like, you know what? (laughs) I think this still needs to be legal. Yeah, and actually, this was the case, though, in, I think it was, like, 33 states in the 70s accidentally legalized bestiality. So this was something state by state they kind of had to realize that they should make. Also, necrophilia, you know, probably should Uh, make illegal, too. I'm sure there's an insane story about necrophilia as well, but we can do that next time. <laughs> Let us heal from this week and then and then another week, maybe. Yeah, can we yeah, we just need to heal from the horse fucking story first. Yeah, and so yeah, James Tate at the time he only got charged with a year in prison, a three hundred dollar fine, and one day of community service. That's it. Yep. And he was ordered to never visit the farm again. So he moved to Tennessee. Oh my god. <laughs> And then in 2009, he was arrested again for animal, for bestiality, because someone filmed him having sex with a Shetland pony. Oh, no. And also. Those are so cute. cute. And then also with some other horses and dogs on that property, on this property in Tennessee, that was also kind of like a bestiality, a place where people who want to have sex with animals go to. And again, that nickname. Yeah, the place where you go. So the Big Dick the Horse, which I'm sure has a different, had a beautiful racing name, but now it's just been forever in our minds known as Big Big Dick Dick the Horse. He ended up getting neutered, which... Gelded. Gelded? Gelded, is that what it's called? He got gelded just because there is this, like... I mean, I think that's also, like, one of the more sadistic parts of it is, like, you know, this horse killed this guy, but then maybe for some people that would make them want to fuck this horse even more... So they were like, we're just going to make sure this horse can't fuck. So That's really intense. Well, okay. Well, okay, Gabby. <laughs> so uh, that is the story of the Enumclaw horse sex scandal. It has been referenced in, there was that movie Zoo that we had mentioned, the documentary about zoophilia. And then also, I mean, the first time I came across this was that Chuck Palahniuk actually wrote a, a short story that was in the perspective of a man who accidentally bought the horse that was known to be fucked. Mr. Big Dick. So, you know, I'm sorry I said horse fucking Listen, so much, too. It's not like the best phrase, but that was, you know, the way I would say it. No, that w- that's what was happening. Stop apologizing, Gabby. Um, Thank you for sharing. I am horrified. I am horsified. <laughs> and I'm traumatized. Yeah, and Taylor's traumatized. I don't like kink shaming. I don't think kink shame is like is good. I just think that we should draw the line at bestiality, personally. This is animal cruelty. Okay, like baseline, if we're just talking consent, animals cannot consent. So if we're just talking like, okay, there's nothing wrong with it, whatever. Still, the animals cannot consent, therefore it sh- it should not be done. It's animal cruelty. Yeah, exactly. And... Yes. And also, like, zoophilia, listen, I love my cat, but 
It is a cat. It is very much a pet, you know? Did I start crying the other day because I thought about the fact that Kimchi will one day die? Yes. <laughs> but but still, it's just my pet. Why would you? Now, can we, now oh, I need I know, to go I know. cry. <laughs> it, it just makes me spiral. But it's okay. I want many, many years with little Kimchi boy. Okay. Thank you for sharing, Gabby. We'll see you after the break. I'm going to go cry now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective um, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels. A story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today 
and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hello and welcome back to Cadaver Gals. I hope everyone has hydrated and rested from that terrible story that got me just told. But you know, as I said, it must be heard. So talking about this man who died in Enumclaw from taking horse dick, we were just thinking about can you die from putting things up your butt, <laughs> anal sex, and all of that other stuff. We're just like, this just really made us think about this big question. We're like a big question <laughs> podcast. Well, like, what's Wait. the scale? Like, where does it, like, what? where's the line? Yeah, because it just seems pretty, I mean, it, like, Kenneth was the only person recorded to have died from horse sex. So I'm just like, but those horse sticks are big as hell. Yes, they are. Yes, they are, Gabby. Thanks for your journalism. Um, you know, we're so excited to ask the big question here on this podcast today. No, so if we're talking about just, you know, things that could go wrong during anal sex, which, by the way, I am not here to tell you how to have butt sex or to be a whole safe sex explainer. That's not my job. Go online or talk to your doctor or whatever. I'm not a scientist. This is just Google and I having a little fun time last night researching this (laughs) but he died from a perforated colon which is not as likely to happen if you're just having regular old anal sex as you would think but if you are putting stuff up your butt then it is much more possible there was this one situation where this guy in his 20s died because he put a zucchini up his butt And his colon was perforated, and then his intestinal content leaked into his abdomen. And the saddest thing is that he was living with his parents at the time. And the saddest thing is that he had a a fever and was really dehydrated for, like, two days and couldn't take the zucchini out of his butt. But he didn't tell anyone because he was living with his parents. So he didn't tell anyone what had actually happened. And once emergency responders got to his house after two days, he passed away. So it can happen, just not usually with, like, regular old butt sex. There are other things that can happen during butt sex, like anal fissures, which is basically a tear in the anal sphincter. But it can actually usually be operated on. However, it should not be ignored. So if your butt is bleeding, please see to that, like right now. (laughs) Yeah, because I was saying there was like, I mean, I think that seems to be like usually when there is a foreign object that is not shaped to be put into your rectum, like a dildo, most dildos are not going to be so invasive but you know there's been people who have gone Mm -hmm. to emergency rooms where they like stuck there was one where it was a 12 inch long and 8 inch wide salami Mm. you know like these sort of foreign objects that you would put in your butt also there is a case of someone who 8 inch wide there's like doctors talking about like they've had surprisingly large objects like bedposts, doorknobs glass bottles aluminum tubes and then there was also a case of someone who had to get a 20 inch long live eel pulled out that 
No. Didn't the eel eat its way through his bowel and that's why? You said, so I just. A 20 inch eel. I'm just, I'm just, I'm stuck. I, I don't know. I'm short circuiting right now. <laughs> you just, I mean, like, it's I mean, quite yeah, shocking. Same. Well, with the eel, apparently the eel was still alive and it was biting the sp- splenic flexure of the colon. So it oh. faced, I, I'm just going to say it, faced first up. Is of what course, they because, well, I I read that the guy wanted to relieve his constipation, and that's why he put the eel up there, or at least that's that was his excuse. Interesting. And then he survived, so he was discharged seven days after he went to the hospital. Only seven days? Wow! Can you imagine a slippery eel up your butt? I just like let's not. Ooh. No, yeah. <laughs> the face Taylor just made. I hate, I don't like slippery things like that. So that's not. Not fun. Yeah, so basically, like, foreign objects are kind of when things actually get dangerous when it comes to playing with your butthole. So, yeah, they do get lost sometimes. I read about this guy who tried to fashion his own anal beads by um, putting nuts and bolts inside of a condom and then sticking it up his butt, and then it exploded inside of him. Oh, Um, no. Can we just stick to the, the, the stuff that was created for that purpose, please? Well, according to Christians, the butthole was not created for... Well, I understand that, but... But then you have a lot of pleasure glands nearby, so that makes no sense. That's fine. No, all of that's fine. I just think for for safety purposes, I mean, use stuff that you get at a sex shop. Well, yeah, also, like, putting stuff like zucchinis or cucumbers or whatever up there is not good because your butthole is kind of like a vacuum and so if something goes in there it's going to be like okay <laughs> it gets suctioned up. in but besides that yes suction up you need uh, the base to make sure that it stays where you can still take it out safely i think we both saw the study about how like I guess basically people trying to study how much you can fit into your butthole and it's just results are very inconclusive <laughs> They're just, they vary, yes. Well, I just really loved this sentence in the study that was just like, although much has been written concerning sphincter function and morphology, assessment of normal rectal reservoir function is somewhat in its infancy. So here's, you know, if you're looking for a dissertation thesis topic, anyone in a sort of a a health PhD field, here is a a field in its infancy that you could really dive Mm -hmm. into. (laughs) (laughs) So much untapped potential. So much. Um, Great. Well, I am so excited to leave this topic behind (laughs) and hear a story that seems to be just as tragic, but a little bit less dirty. Taylor, do you want to share? Absolutely. I'm going to bring this podcast up a little bit to only eight deaths, okay? Just eight? I know. Sorry. That's the podcast. So we are going to the infamous St. Giles, also known as the Rookery. The Rookery is or was the slums of London. At the time of this tale, it was very, very poor and notoriously bad, crime-ridden. It was home to gangs and thieves and prostitution, lots of drugs, lots of alcohol, you know, all of the stuff. What time period are we in? So this is like 1814. 1814. But in like, so in 18th century, the rookery was like kind of like at its peak. But Mm -hmm. this story, this incident was 1814. Mm -hmm. So was it kind of like dangerous and terrible or was it also like debaucherous and interesting? 
I mean, a little bit of both, I would say. There is this image that I found. It is called Gin Lane, and it is inspired by this area, the rookery. So if we want to take a look at that and really break it down and look at it, the first thing my eye goes to is this woman who is, I don't know what she's doing. She's getting something, something out of a tin, but she's completely disregarding her infant child, and he is falling over the stairs on two brick. And he looks like he's pretty high up because it looks like there's like a door. So he's like on a second level at least. Her titties are out and celebrating. I love this for her. They are. Yeah, it's just like an old timey like print newspaper print image type thing. And I also like how there seems to be like disease on her leg as well. Oh, yes. Oh, for sure. And then but like if you look to the left of her, you see a man sweetly sharing a bone with his dog. And I think that's really <laughs> sweet of him. The first traces of zoophilia. <laughs> and then there's, but you can also see that there are, a lot of the people are very emaciated. There is a woman being put into a coffin. The buildings are just falling apart. Oh, this is a new thing that I just saw. There's a man hanging in the window. Oh, he killed himself. Yes. Yeah. So, and then beyond that, there's just people with weapons stools maybe the original weapon from you know wwe stuff he this man has a stool the first stool <laughs> the first stool the beating first stool weapon <laughs> the rookery was actually the origin of wwe i mean kind of looks like it might have been so it just seemed like it was filled with violence disease drunkenness and general harmful merriment Yes, and Charles Dickens himself visited the rookery during this period, and he records, and I quote, scenes of most repulsive nature and how the residents suffer forms bloated by disease and faces rendered hideous by habitual drunkenness. So anyway, you get you get an idea of what the rookery was like. Yeah. Are we oh, are we there? there? Are we I'm are there. we in the streets? I'm there. Okay, great. I already took my shirt off. I'm there. I'm very sick and very drunk. I'm Nikki. there. <laughs> Nika's got her titties out. She's ready to go. Okay. Anyway, in classic UK fashion, back in the 18th century and early 19th century, it was a spectacle to see how big vats of beer could get. Which, by the way, I didn't know this because I guess I'm dumb and I didn't know anything about. Um, breweries um but vats are like you idiot i know um (laughs) the vats are what hold the barrels and so basically they just they were like let's see how many we can get in there and so they kept growing and growing and there like was no regulation until wait was it like a so it was like a spectacle of where they'd be like we're gonna pile all these barrels into these vats well people would go by and be like oh like that's a lot of barrels and then you know the brewery down the street would be like oh hell that ain't nothing and then like they would do more you know it was just like this constant like it was like this battle and of course there was no regulation for it and there's no regulation for anything until it's necessary if that's anything we've learned on this podcast (laughs) It's tragic things have to happen before there's regulation for anything. So in 1814, the Horseshoe Brewery, they had a vat break, which sent somewhere like it was it was about 8,000 barrels of porter beer exploding into the streets. 8,000. That's so much. It is. So I had to break this down a bit because like it's hard to kind of imagine how much liquid that is, right? Also found this really, really annoying like there are imperial gallons, which is the gallon that the UK measures, apparently, and then US gallons. One imperial gallon is 1.20095 US gallons. So, and in the UK, 
a beer barrel is 43 gallons, and in the U.S., it's 31, but I also am really annoyed that we can't agree on the same metric system. I find it so annoying. No, I think that that difference is really necessary, you know? It really makes sense to me. It makes no (laughs) sense whatsoever. Well, the U.S. has to be different, clearly. Yeah, so it's like 31 gallons in one barrel and then 8,000 barrels. That's a lot. And those streets were um, relatively narrow, right? Oh, yeah. These streets are very narrow. And not only that, but like this is the rookery. There's a lot of trash. There is a lot of like stuff. Infection. But anyway, so because the streets are so narrow, because of the amount of liquid that came pouring into the streets, this led to a 15-foot tsunami, which as you would imagine, that did a lot of damage. So it's a 15-foot Beer tsunami. That's when I hear fifteen feet, it just doesn't make sense to me. So it's basically three, three of us like stacked on top, on vertically on top of each other. Three short. I just want to like three of you, maybe three of you stacked on top of each other. Okay, well, fuck you. But okay, <laughs> that's tall. Three of you. Anyway, sadly, this wave took out two homes and a local pub. So in total, eight people died. One victim was a young employee of the pub. Her name was Eleanor Cooper. She got trapped under the rubble. It was also a woman and a child who were swept away while having tea. And y'all, it gets worse. There was a wake being held in a basement of one of those houses for a boy who had died the previous day. And four of the mourners were killed. And then I think there were either four or five. And I think maybe it was the fifth one who was like trying to like save them by he like drank a lot of the beer he swallowed so much beer he got alcohol poisoning and died a few days later so so anyway remember we had just described this place as a bunch of misfits so um there were actually conflicting reports where immediately people were like it was reported like oh everybody went out on the streets like with pots and pans and stuff so that they can collect the beer and it was just like a free beer but that actually wasn't the case they handled it very well and very respectfully the locals everybody fled to the streets and it was really quiet listening for people that were trapped and there were quite a few people actually that were able to be rescued because of this and i think it was really great that they were able to kind of come together and rescue a few people in the middle of this like crazy tragedy and they also said that the streets smelled like beer for months. I also saw a report, I don't I don't know how accurate this one is, but when people were going to the hospital for it, you know, who had been injured during the incident, they all smelled like beer. And they first got there, like other people that were like nearby, they like didn't know it had happened or something. They were like, oh, there's beer. Like, why didn't you invite me to the party? But like, that just seems like a weird thing. So I don't know what, where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> Though that does seem like a very human reaction to, I think I've done that too, where you just really step in it, where you're like, oh, it looks like you've been going to a party, let's go on on. They're like, actually, a lot of people died. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, the last thing that I will say about this particular, actually, no, I have two more things I'd like to say. So one is after the incident, like a lot of people like, you know, in London heard of this situation. And so a lot of people would come by to see the damage, and the locals were charging people two pence to come and see the aftermath. I mean, <laughs> Which that I, makes sense. That's really entrepreneurial. I think it's funny. I mean, there was like – obviously, there was like a huge lawsuit, and like the brewery got a lot of money to like rebuild, and like – I mean, they lost pretty much all of their product 
And so like they got a lot of money, but none of the families did. So I was looking to see if the reason they were charging it was to give it to the families, which I kind of think they were, but I actually don't know that 100%. Anyway, so today there is now a theater, the Dominion Theater. And Nika, you're going to hate me for this. Oh, no. But so the Dominion Theater sits where the brewery uh, used to sit. And it's apparently haunted. I knew. I literally knew it. Yeah. So there was actually a picture taken by a couple that I saw. No, stop. Stop. No, you have to look at it. <laughs> no, st- no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, you have I'm to. Not. Okay, I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling it up. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you believe in this sort of thing, but it definitely looks like there's a ghost back there. And it is believed to be Eleanor Cooper. <gasps> oh, my God. Who was the woman. I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, it's believed to be Eleanor Cooper who was the woman that was trapped, who worked at the brewery. She was actually... I literally saw it. She was 14. There's also been many reports of people at the theater hearing a child giggling. No, stop. I literally saw that, Taylor. That, like, I literally screamed. Yeah, you It did. looks fake as fuck, though. It does look fake. I don't care. I'm, I'm really scared now. It's, like, very clear and, like, defined. Like, when I saw my ghost, that is really not what she looked like. I mean, I felt like there was less uh contrast i mean if it was more like an orb i'd be like yeah maybe but this looks it looks a little fake it does look a little fake but that's actually the the image like she's kind of like in the background in between these two this couple's head and she kind of just looks like how i look whenever i would have to go to cultural events with my parents (laughs) when i was young be like i don't want to be here I love how you guys are like, oh, it's fake. And I immediately closed it and started praying in my head. We're different. We're different people because I just I cannot even play with that. That was really scary. So did they make the VAT stuff illegal after that? They didn't make the VATs illegal. They just they just regulated how many barrels you're allowed in the VATs. Oh, you can't have fun anymore. I know. Can't have any fun anymore. Well, thank you, Taylor, for that incredible story about the rookery. I'm just really, I'm still kind of scared. I still feel kind of haunted now, but it's okay. We'll get over it. Up next, how can we avoid tsunamis? Well, we really can't really avoid them, but anyway, we'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Can't really avoid them. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. 
I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And we are back. Let's talk about tsunamis. Pretty unavoidable. Can't really do anything about them, but prepare. And it's very unlikely that you'll ever be stuck in a beer tsunami. Don't worry about that, because now we have regulations. (laughs) Yeah, now we have VAT regulations. I was just reading about like tsunami preparedness slash what to do in the event of a tsunami. And basically, it it looks like there's three things. Get to higher ground Mm -hmm. immediately. It's kind of that's kind of what, you know, we have to do. If you get swept up by the water, grab something that floats and hang on with your dear life. And that is literally it. There really I mean, there truly is not much that you can do. Now, if you live in the US, thankfully it seems kind of unlikely that we're going to get a tsunami. However, I was reading and this scientist said that it's kind of not a matter of if, but a matter of when. Mm-hmm. Love that. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. This is like horrifying. It literally they said um according to disaster researchers who were interviewed by Government Technology Magazine, which 
I'm not a subscriber of that. I don't, <laughs> you don't get but, government but technology magazine. All I'm account. saying is that I think it might be legit. I don't know. <laughs> but basically what they said is many earthquakes hit Puerto Rico all the time, uh, which caused kind of small tsunamis on the East Coast. And so if there were was to be a bigger earthquake, then that would be a problem on the East Coast. And then also the Pacific Coast experiences oceanic earthquakes like all the time. I was reading this article and this like natural hazards specialist literally said this earthquake will be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Not not might be. No, no, it will be a big deal. So that's something to look forward to in 2021. I am scared. But you're not going to get it from a brewery, so it's fine. So yeah, I actually, you know, we're in landlocked Atlanta. So this is not one of my fears, thank goodness, because I have plenty of others. But the average tsunami, sur- the, the surges, range between 10 feet and 100 feet. Which that's a that's a lot, and and then hundred feet is very high. Because I was like, can we call this beer tsunami a beer tsunami? And I was like, oh, sure can. Fifteen feet's in that average range. That's terrifying. And then also read that they can reach up to five hundred miles per hour. So Ooh. yeah, so that's absolutely terrifying. And then there was, I think, I read that there was one person who did survive the did survive one by holding on to. A flotation device so like you know find you a little floaty find you a floating piece yeah. of wood share it with somebody if that opportunity arises don't be like rose okay yeah oh my gosh Can, that i swear she was just she was so tragic just freezing there like she looked purple and she was like jack Chuck. And knowing that there was space there, it just still gets to me. Silliness. It makes me angry. It's just silly, okay? That movie was great. Oh, we're talking about Titanic. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who the like, fuck mm. is Rose? Uh, no, there was easily space there. So don't pull a Rose. You're right, Taylor. But the other thing that is more likely that you more people can experience and that's a flood because obviously tsunamis mm. can also cause floods because they can reach the waters can reach up to 10 miles so if you find yourself in a flooding situation which i found my house in a flooding situation on new year's eve uh turning into 2020 that was ominous <laughs> but if you're like inside your house and there's a flood shut off the power and shut off your water mains because Obviously, water and electricity don't mix, and mm. so that's that's a fun thing that you should do. So know how to do those things if you're a homeowner I, or whatever. I know I need to learn that. I, le- I was like f- very bold of you to assume I know how to do that, Taylor. Oh, I'm sure you do. You could figure it out. Honestly, I think in a, an emergency situation, I'd actually be pretty okay at it. Also, I watched this like B-roll horror the other day called – it was something about crocodiles. I forget what it was called. But she, like, her house flooded, the entire city flooded, and she was all alone with her dad. And then crocodiles, big crocodiles, attacked them in their basement. And it's all about them fighting off the crocodiles. Mm. But that probably won't happen to us. Well, that happened during Katrina because where we, my family, lived in Pascagoula, Mississippi, there was the gator farm and all the gators escaped. But they seemed <gasps> to be escaping sometimes. So, you know, I think it's safe just not to live by a gator farm or gators either. But I also like how these sections so far of our little, whether or not we always do a how to survive section, I think it does always go back to Nika needs to get her shit together with her (laughs) homeownership. Yeah, I don't know, guys. I feel like 
I, I thought I was going to be such a good homeowner. Like, I thought I was going to really just be painting and, you know, doing things, putting wallpaper up, like doing all those cute, sexy homeowner things. <laughs> and quite frankly, I have not. And I am not very good at it. And what I need is to make more money to pay people <laughs> to do it because I won't. But um, that's not happening either. So, you know, <laughs> not doing very well. Um, well, this episode has been so interesting. It's been a roller coaster. Yeah. I'll also say, like, if we're being preventative about butt sex, just use a lot of lube. And that's that's all the tips that I have today. <laughs> Does anyone else have any tips to share? Use lube, not a horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ride a cowboy, not a horse. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Cadaver Gals. We'll see you next time. Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It is hosted, produced, mixed, researched, etc. by Gabby Watts, Nika Duarte, and Taylor Church. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Cadaver Gals. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.